The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. And hit it. We are in Manchester, the United Kingdom. Uh, I, I'm Ryan, and you are? Lola. Lola. Slider. Slider. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good for clarification. Um, and today was the, the final day of the UK APP conference. Um, as opposed to last year, I didn't really do much podcasting on this trip, but uh, I've been over here for about two weeks. Uh, and by over here, I mean like, you know, east of the United States. Um, I spent a few days, we spent a few days in Germany. We met for the BMXNet conference Mm -hmm. in Essen. Do you want to start there or do you have any other thoughts? Uh, Well, we we met in Germany. We didn't travel to Germany together. We we met in Germany, um, which was nice. We got to spend, uh, what was it, five days together there? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Four day, four nights, five days. In the imperfect house. And you brought Evan. I brought Evan, and that was great. You're, pre- you're a co-piercer. Well, it, it's tough because, like, I remember when uh, Aaron Foster worked for me, there was a point where I had to kind of say, I want to actively stop calling you my apprentice, and I think he felt self-conscious at the time, like it was like a demotion, but I, I meant it as a promotion, like yeah. you're not apprenticing anymore, you're like a, a fully licensed piercer. So mm. sometimes with Evan, I might kind of slip and still refer to him as my apprentice, but he's worked for me for years and years and years, yeah. and he's a very accomplished piercer in his own right, so I don't really like to refer to him as an apprentice. I mean, I apprenticed him, but um, you know, he's the, the lead piercer in the shop, essentially, at this point, so... Um, you, you know, ugh, without getting too far into it, last year I sent him to Camp APP, him and Rob, uh, to Camp APP. And this year, you know, I kind of gave him the offer of like, you know, would you like to go back to camp? And, um, you know, he decided not to go back to camp this year. So I thought, well, where where else could I either bring him or send him for just like, you know, enrichment and just to show appreciation of all his hard work, you know, get him a, a fun work trip. And um, before the pandemic, I actually wanted to bring him to BMXNet and or UKAPP. So he went through the whole process of getting his passport, doing all this stuff, and then the world like ground to a halt. So he never really got to, you know, get out there and get some stamps in his passport. So I really wanted to prioritize getting him somewhere and you know uh i gave him the the choice of like either bmx or uk app and uh, he chose bmx and i'm kind of glad he did Mm -hmm. they they both have their own personality uh, as you're aware of but i think um if it was for like a first-time attendee and someone who wanted to kind of like 
get out and have a fun trip on top of having a good educational experience. I, I think BMX was probably the, the right choice for him. I think that what's so great about BMXNet for those purposes, and I went, the first year I went to BMXNet, I went completely on my own. Um, so I can kind of understand a little bit of what Evan was maybe feeling even going with you. Um, I went by myself and if you are just going to do the one trip, the thing about it is it's very immersive because a lot of people stay at the venue and even people that don't stay at the venue, they stay, you know, they're around the venue the whole day. There's a lot of communal space for eating and drinking. So from morning to evening, it's all kind of going all the time. Yeah. Um, so there's um, just a kind of constant um, energy around the place, which, which kind of, I think, can help sometimes drag you out of yourself because if you go and sit down somewhere, someone will probably try and talk to you or, or will end up communicating with you in some way. Like, unless you actually go back to your room if you're in a private room, it's a lot easier to be involved in things. Whereas there are other events sometimes where you would never just go up to someone and start talking. Um, yeah. Or, you know, you would be too intimidated to do that, even if it was welcome. Whereas, like, even me being a very socially nervous person, um, I, I felt pretty welcome at, at BMXNet um, and I still get the, the same nerves that everyone gets before you arrived. I was kind of not really knowing what to do with myself and kind of nod and smile and say hi but I, I hadn't really relaxed and um, I don't think that ever completely goes away if you're a very nervous person but I do think that because there is such a communal element to the venue as a whole it does kind of help drag you out of that a little bit um, hopefully most people can get past it after the first day or so. Well, with BMX, I think you really have to go out of your way to be a loner. Like yeah. it's hard. It's hard to be a loner there. Yeah, I mean, you know, in in a, in a, the best of ways, um, uh, Stefan, the the event organizer, is always really easy to work with. Um, he. You know, I, I've built up a certain level of trust with a lot of these events. I've been going for quite a while. I think people know that I'm a dependable instructor. So when I say I have a plan for something, they know that I can kind of see it through to fruition. And uh, I contacted Stefan and I, I said, like, you know, I, I'd really like to bring uh, my, my coworker, uh, Evan, with me. And um, I would like to do an open techniques workshop with Evan and, and you specifically. And um, uh, Stefan made the offer to let Evan stay in like the dormitory area where a lot of the instructors and, and performers uh, stay. So I thought that, that was also a, a really fantastic experience because you've seen it both ways where you stay kind of off site in a hotel yeah. and you stay on site. This was my first time staying at the hotel. Yeah, and, yeah. and that on site experience kind of adds this other communal level to it. So I, I thought that that would be a really great time for Evan. Well, even the years that I've stayed off-site, I think because everyone eats and drinks together, and the thing is, it's not it's not a massive space, so people are constantly churning in and out of the, the dining area, so the chances are you're going to sit with people that you don't know if you want to sit. So at first it might seem a little weird um, and nerve-wracking, but after a day or two you're just like, can I sit here and eat? And, and you'll just sit with people whether you know them or you don't know them. So I think that that whole communal eating thing um, is a big part of breaking down those boundaries between people a lot. In a way it almost kind of reminded me of like high school, where it's just like, 
can I sit here? Is that cool? But without like the whole like you know you're not cool. You yeah, can't no, sit nobody with us. would say no. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There were plenty of times where you or I needed to eat because we were in between classes or or you know something, and we just had to find two open spots and just be like, oh, do you mind if we sit down? And it was just like this potpourri of like, what country are you from? You know, what do you are you a piercer? Are you a tattooer? Are you into bod mod? Like, what what do you do? But um, like for example and. Not, not to say this in a negative way towards the APP conference, because that's also a great experience. I wouldn't feel like I could just go up and sit next to a bunch of people or sit with a bunch of people in Vegas. Like I just wouldn't, I'm not saying they wouldn't be welcoming, but I don't think I would have that level of confidence. I can sit next to someone else who's alone sometimes, you know, like in kind of limit my embarrassment if they say no by the fact that there's only one of them there. But I, I don't think I could go over to a group of people and be like, hey, can I sit with you? Like, I, I don't know what I expect them to say. They probably wouldn't say no, but I don't, I don't think I would feel as confident. Yeah, one of those scenarios where like, they're in the middle of a conversation and then you're like, oh, could I sit here? And then their conversation immediately stops and you just feel like awkward. Well, that's happened to me. Yeah. Like, it did, not, not for food, but like I have gone over and like said hi to a bunch of people and they've done that thing where they turn around and say hi and then like go back to their, their conversation and you just kind of feel like, the biggest idiot for like putting yourself out there you just have to shrug it off well uh i thought it was really fun i would like to do probably an episode with evan just kind of recapping his specific experience with, with yeah. bmx but um you know we we flew out together we flew over from boston and uh pretty tired by the time we got there and you know evan doesn't have quite as much experience with with international travel so he definitely got hit with jet lag a lot harder than I did um, I had you to kind of like make sure that I didn't take more than a, a short nap so that I could kind of get on the the European schedule a little bit faster um, Evan you know took him like a good day or so to kind of to catch up to it but it, it looks like he just kind of jumped in with both feet I remember we did the the Shibari class yeah on the first day and that was a totally new experience for me like i i've had lots of conversations with coco katsura the uh the shibari coach instructor they whatever were lovely. The, the terminology would be performance yeah. artist and i've always wanted to go to one of their classes but i've always felt really awkward because you know i i've not been at bmx with a partner you know i got to go last year but you decided to to skip that in favor of of just UK APP. So mm -hmm. this was the first BMX net where we really got to to be there as partners, and I I loved that experience. Of the, doing shibari the shibari was together. really fun, yeah. and I don't know what I was expecting, but it's very much out in the open. Um, so it's you know it's not like in a in a little hidden stuffy room or anything. We were in a really open space, and there were people that went that didn't go with anybody, and they were just paired up together. You know, like Evan was paired up with a, with a stranger. Um, and you know you just learn kind of beginners shibari and it, and it was really interactive and really fun and everybody was just you know like embracing not being perfect and you said at the time you know when you take a lot of piercer personalities that are obsessed with perfection and then you make them do a new thing and they're all watching each other and they're all kind of doing it not perfectly um, there there is like at first that bit of frustration where people are like I'm not getting it and it's not right and everyone's watching and then after five or ten minutes it's just lots of fun um, and everybody's just really getting into it so yeah. I really like that yeah it was good it was like I, I felt like I was definitely stumbling when I was trying to tie tie you up, and then like you seemed to take to it pretty quickly. And I remember the uh, the whole like awkward 
like dick bulge, dick harness part of it. <laughs> that was pretty fun though. I, I really I, I liked it. It was something different, and uh, you know Coco's a sweetheart, so it was just a it was a good experience. Yeah, it, it was really nice. Um, Evan got to suspend, and you know part of me kind of wishes I was there, but part of me also realizes that like I think it was really important to me that Evan got to have his own experience Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to like tag along to his moments and I wouldn't want to force him to tag along to my moments but it was nice that we got to share moments too you know it was cool seeing him kind of make friends over the the course of the weekend and then it was really special uh, for me that that we all got to teach a class together yeah Uh, that was that was kind of a new experience and I really like that and I got to teach a solo class. Yeah, what did you teach? How to do a bridge piercing. What a creative name. Yeah, um, um, that it, was fun. Well, okay, so before you downplay it, um, I, I wanna tell everybody how hard you worked on that class. And like, how long were you working on it? Like three months? Well, I kind of go through phases where um, I plan, I map the plan out, I. I plan the class out in my head but then when it actually comes to making the presentation that's like very challenging for me because I'm not very good at laptop stuff and IT stuff and it's not just about like learning how to do the thing it's just like focusing on the thing Um, it takes me a really long time to get into so I did probably spend um, a couple of months altogether working on it um, and trying to get the visual how I wanted and it I mean, looking at it, it probably doesn't look like it took that long, but that's how long it took me. And I guess the benefit of doing it that way is that by the time I instruct the class, I kind of know it off by heart um, because of the amount of time it took me to make the visual. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more dependent on instructor notes. You know, whenever I have a slide that the attendees see, I also have a whole additional slide of, of notes in front of me. and. You know that kind of helps me stay on point but for you like you you dive so deep into it that um, I really feel like you just had the thing memorized and like you could just kind of glance at the screen just to see like you know it was more to, to make sure that the presentation was keeping up with your narrative rather than the other way around and I remember um, you know some of the trips where I was over in Glasgow like months ago where I was like holding a camera recording you know the, the piercing videos that you were using in the class so yeah. you've been you've been working on it for a really long time well I think that it went okay I think um, it went great I was proud of it which is a lot for me to be proud of something that I did so I was proud of it um, I haven't taught a solo class in BMX net before so I haven't taught a BMX net before so um, the the audience and the attendees were really supportive and um, I got a lot of really nice feedback and I didn't know a lot of the people there, most of the people there, so um, I was happy with how it went. And, and I got to use a little microphone that made me sound like Darth Vader. You had to use it because your voice is so small. I can project. You can project. Um, I liked your outfit, your teacher outfit, <laughs> where your butt cheeks were almost <laughs> hanging out. It, I remember it being warmer in previous years. I didn't know why it would be so cold. Well, it was a great outfit. Well. Uh, aside from shibari in in your class were there any were there any other classes that that stood out for you um i'm trying to think of well i, I enjoyed doing doom yoga really mm-hmm. early in the mornings yep. um with noma the yoga instructor mm-hmm. um she was really really good um 
Let me think. There's there's very little that could get me out of bed, dressed, and off to a class at eight in the morning. Well, so maybe it was tough. Well, you know, it it did say a lot to me that it it got you out of bed and and out the door that early multiple days because you were definitely having a, a good time and you came back with like a really good sweaty energy to you. Well, I get so nervous about instructing and I don't always travel brilliantly. So doing exercise early in the morning, even if I really don't want to, um, is a good way of like exercising some of that nervous energy yeah. and just like tiring myself out so I, I can't be as nervous. Um, it was nice seeing you and Kevin Jump instruct together. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. Like that was that was really special. To, like every every year at BMX has some sort of special element to it. Uh, and, and this year, you know, being there with you and, and teaching, being there with Evan and, and teaching with him, like all that was, was fantastic. But another really special moment for me was the scarification stuff. Sometimes I honestly forget that like, you know, toot toot my own horn, like I've been doing scarification for about 20 years. And, um, you know, I really enjoy teaching it. And the only place in the world that I, that I do teach it is, is at BMX. And the last few years that I've, that I've taught a scarification class, I've done it solo. And I feel like after a while, you know, like the whole Ryan show gets a little bit stale because the people who have seen it more than once kind of know what my style is for scarification. You kind of know what you're going to get if you come to it because I have a very specific, you know, kind of narrow style really in a way. Um, and the, the last few years I've been, uh, paying a lot more attention to, to Kevin's work. Uh, I had that connection with him just before the pandemic where I, I went out to his studio and, um, did a, a piercing seminar there and just talking with him is, is really kind of like eye opening in lots of different ways, you know, his, his theories and mentality and, and, and his energy. So seeing him also as a, as a scarification artist and what he's capable of, both as like a, a, a technician and an, an artist, like a, a really true like artist. Um, I, I felt like, you know, he needed to, to kind of share that with the overall community. And, and for me, there's no better place to do that than, than at BMXNet. So kind of like convinced him to, to give it a try, um, pitched it to Stefan, who was, was really supportive the entire time, got Kevin uh, over there. And we got to do a, a really special thing you know i recorded an, an interview with him that i'll i'll get up soon um but you know we had a really special moment where i got to watch him kind of create an art piece and then we got to kind of perform that art piece together and you know him talking about his his theories and me talking about my theories and where they kind of like mishmashed and and everything like that was that was a really that was special for me i i i have I have not gotten a chance to work collaboratively with the scarification artist in I don't even know how long. It's been a long time uh, since I've done any sort of collaborative scarification work with anyone and it was just really special to me so I enjoyed it a lot. He seemed like a very nice person. Yeah he is. He seems like a, he's a genuinely good person and that makes a big difference to me too because sometimes you meet people and you're like, you know, oh yeah, you can perform the work, but like you really don't click with their energy. Not that they're a bad person, that's not what I'm saying, but like sometimes personalities clash and sometimes you can like see somebody's work online and that's one thing, but then when you meet them in person, you're just like, oh, okay, all Especially right. Especially big personalities. Yeah, uh, and you know, 
Kevin uh, just felt really comfortable to work with, and I, I really, I really enjoyed that experience. It was nice seeing other familiar faces as well. Isn't it lovely just running into Sala? Yeah, when's it not lovely to run into Sala? Yeah, he's yeah. great. Um, just like he's always got this smile, and he always like puts a smile on your face. Like I don't think I can ever be in a bad mood talking to Sala. So it's yeah. always just nice to to run into him. And Ron Garza was there. He said he yeah. hadn't been there in nine years. Yeah, Ron used to be um, like a staple at BMXNet, and then um, when he kind of you know started getting like really settled into uh you know his his studio and and studio owner life and all that stuff it kind of put the brakes on him being able to to travel quite as easily um so it was really nice to see him back there again and and reconnect with that community well he seemed very appreciated which was nice to see yeah it's sometimes i i think people might have the fear that if you step away for a while people will forget who you are but um you know ron is one of those like titans in the industry where it's like nobody's gonna forget him and it's it's good that he gets reminded of that that like people really appreciate his work and he's been really influential to a a, a lot of different communities um so it's it's nice you know and it was it was interesting to see his class on like post-surgical considerations and you know i learned a good amount you know different things i'll be changing in my own practices and certainly in my release form about like fillers and stuff like that it was pretty eye-opening for me and it was really nice to see Brian. Yeah. Um, that, that last night, I think, was probably my favorite social moment. You know, like I had other work moments that were nice, teaching and, and you know, taking classes and, and stuff. But uh, being able to just, like, hang out with, uh, with you and, and Ron and Brian and just, like, watch you share a bottle of wine with Ron. and That was accidental. Yeah, sure, accidental. Uh, and then, like, talking with Brian about his kids and just, like, talking as people and not just being like, what do you think of this industry thing? I know what you mean. Sometimes it's difficult when you're talking to colleagues and you're wondering, are we just talking as, like, working professionals or, or are we friends or what is it that's going on? So yeah. it's nice to have those moments where you can kind of be, like, human Ryan and human Lola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was good. Yeah. I really liked and, uh, it. And then... We and, and then our, our taxi home or our taxi to the airport was canceled, <sighs> which is which was fine because our plane was also canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so for the people that have experience with like Lyft or Uber, you know, rideshare apps where you can schedule them. Apparently, in Germany, there really is no Uber the way that you might think of it in the in the U.S., where it's not just like you know a, a rideshare driver out there who will just like come and swoop you up. Yeah, basically, Uber uh, kind of is like a, a, a third-party uh, taxicab reservation service in certain countries. So the night before, I scheduled a pickup. I said, I need a car to pick me and two other people up and bring us to the airport at X time. And then the app was like, yep, totally, no problem, buddy. <laughs> and then that morning, like even up to like a half an hour before our, our pickup was scheduled, it was like, yeah, don't worry about it, we got you. And then, uh, then we go outside with our, our suitcases and everything to head, head to the airport. And they're like, yeah, sorry, there are just no drivers available. And it's like, but you had like 20 hours notice. You couldn't just get somebody? Did you spill your tea? Just oh, did a little tiny no. bit. Why don't you, we can just pause. Why don't you go get a little towel? Okay. Uh, you know, our, our cab 
got canceled very abruptly. We had to bother people in the hotel to call us a taxi cab because, like, you don't want to have to, like, panic track down a taxi cab service at whatever o'clock in the morning to get to the airport. Um, and on top of that, we got an email that our flight was canceled, like, on our way to the airport. Uh, and I, I think it was because of the Queen's funeral because our connection was London City Airport not even Heathrow or Gatwick um, so I had to like scramble last minute and find uh, an alternative flight uh, and rather than going into Glasgow we had to fly into Edinburgh and then take a bus to Glasgow which really didn't turn out to be so bad thankfully I mean the day could have gone a lot worse yeah we got home yeah so you know whatever it is what it is so we got home we got to spend a few days together in your flat Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously had to get to the shop and, and catch up there and, you know, put in a couple of days of appointments. And I had a lot of remote work I had to do uh, for the shop and um, Patreon. And I was trying to, like, book all these, like, little kid earlobe appointments uh, for when I get back. And um, also I had to, to work on some of my classes for UKAPP because it was, like, a, a two-pronged teaching trip. Um, you know, behind the scenes, APP stuff, they try to, you know, be frugal. And since it's a nonprofit, doesn't have, you know, infinite income, you have to use the money wisely. So one of the cost cutting measures is like, uh, they want to try to get instructors that can do both BMX net and UK APP in one trip to save on flights. So, you know, one weekend did BMX, stayed in the UK with you in between, and then, uh, the following weekend, we, we ended up here in Manchester for the UK APP conference. What are your thoughts on, on this conference? As you'll know, this will be my, my first year back since I left the board last year. So this will be the first conference I've ever been able to buy raffle tickets at Yeah. since the first one that I was at. How'd Didn't, that work out for you? Not well. But at least I got to play. Yeah. Yeah, I got to take part. Yeah. Um, so this is my first conference as kind of an outsider, not being involved in the the planning or the organizing or management of the event since, you know, for, for th- at least three, well, I guess four years now, um, last year being the, the last year I was on the board. So that was definitely uh, nice to be able to just arrive and not have to worry about how everything was running and, it, and everything looked like it was running brilliantly. Um, they did the advanced registration again where you register online um, before even arriving. Um, I think you can register here as well but I think the, the vast majority of attendees um, register online and I think they do, um, I'm not 100% sure, uh, they did this last year, and I think they did it again this year, where you do kind of staggered collect, uh, staggered collection of your badges and things um, to prevent there being big queues and, and build-ups and that kind of thing at the registration desk. So when we arrived the night before and then the the morning of, there wasn't any big queuing or, you know, or backlogs of people waiting to register. Everybody seemed ready to go. And this year they have sold, uh, they, they had more ticket availability than they've ever had and they sold out like they usually do and um, I've heard that the, the demand for tickets is greater than it's ever been, like they had to turn away more people than they ever have for ticket sales before. So the conference is obviously doing really, really well, which is great to see. Yeah, uh, it, it, it seems like 
the the formula that they have for this event in this hotel in this host city they've really got it fine-tuned now which is is great to see I, I do feel like there'll be some some growth moments coming for the UK APP because like as you said um, huge demand like I, I noticed it at BMXnet and at UK APP you know you take those informal polls of like uh, when you're teaching a class hey everybody you know if you're a first-time attendee pop your hand up and it just seemed like a huge amount of the attendees were, were first-timers and that was so impressive to see well, from what I've, I've heard from speaking to people here and there is that there are a lot of attendees that have only been piercing for a couple of years and maybe they've started early in the pandemic. You know, like not, not everywhere had to shut down. Some places kept working and, um, you know, some people have been in and out of work on and off these past three years. So I think that this year has been the first kind of full convention cycle in the last two or three years because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So. I think that there's just a lot of people who are coming to conferences for the first time. So it was it was compared to last year when there was a reduced capacity because um, we were we were still doing at that point more socially distanced classes. So it was still very busy, but there was a slight reduction. I think they limited it last year, or we limited it last year, so that it was piercers only, not front of uh, front of house staff and counter staff just because we knew there would be such reduced capacity for instructors and for classes and for attendees. Um, whereas this year, um, the conference has been organized to be above what it was pre-pandemic. So it's the biggest kind of swing um, in the amount of people attending from last year to this year. So it just, it, it's nuts to see it's so busy, but it's really, really good to see everybody here taking advantage of it because that's what it is. It's something to be taken advantage of if you're in the UK or the surrounding area. Um, it's a, as a resource for learning and for uh, learning about vendors and checking out new types of jewelry. And so it's, it's good to see so many people using that resource. Well, I mean, you also mentioned the vendor thing and it seemed like Expo was really strong this year. A lot of, um, you know, new faces in the vendor hall, but a lot of like, really strong company representation there so mm -hmm. it was great to see vendors supporting the event and you know in, in one way it's nice to see uh, jewelry companies supporting a fledgling event that's growing but also uh, I think the the community should really kind of take pride when when these companies see it as like this is a serious community of people who who can really like buy and sell and, and promote brands now so you see like bigger and bigger brands every year like like trying to uh, you know get in on not necessarily the ground floor but they want to get in on the growth of this community I think um, a, a criticism I'm aware that was put towards the the vending space specifically a couple of years ago was that there wasn't enough um, titanium vending you know there would be like one titanium vendor and then kind of all gold which is great but there are a lot of people that are still reliant um, primarily on selling titanium goods. And this year there was obviously Juniper were there. They're a primarily a gold company, but they do titanium librettes. There's industrial, I'm just going like clockwise round in my head. Then there's industrial strength. Inari was there. Um, Anatometal was there. People's Jewelry was there. So like, if I'm not missing anybody, that's five different companies. Neometal. Neometal, six, they were in the middle. That's why. Um, so basically six different companies um, that supply titanium basics 
um, which I think, I don't think there's any ever been anything near that before a conference. I think maybe it'll be one or two and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And it was great to see that it wasn't just like phoned in support. It wasn't just like, we're going to mail you uh, a box of catalogs that you can put out on a table. Like it was like a representative who could be there to answer questions, to, uh, you know, set people up with accounts, to tell them like, this is our infrastructure for ordering. This is what we're going to do to handle shipping, returns, any potential problems, custom orders, etc., etc. So it wasn't just like uh, lip service. It was like full-on support of the community, and it was great to see it. And attending the members meeting, the UKPP members meeting this year, um, I think that they're about that haven't hit it yet, but they're about to hit 50 members cool. um, for the first time, which is also super exciting. So. Yeah, everything seems to be moving in a really positive direction. I don't think that anything has been sliding backwards in any way. Slidering. Like over slidering backwards. Let's not make that a thing. Nope. <laughs> um, you know, since, what I mean is since the pandemic has happened, it's so easy for a, a massive global event like that to set things back in such a major way. And last year was definitely um, much more scaled back. So it's great to see things this year bigger than they've ever been. Um, and in, in no way held back by the events of the last couple of years? I think in the, in, in the broad stroke sense of it, the pandemic was pretty good for the piercing industry. I mean, it obviously sucked for the people that had lockdowns and restrictions on what they could and couldn't do or were able to do business-wise, but um, especially those like younger piercers, people newer in their career, they became like voracious for education and information because they didn't have those traditional avenues like shadowing. You couldn't just like say like, oh, go shadow, go shadow, go guest spot, go do this, go do that, go to a conference. Those things weren't available. So they were all like seeking out information in forums or, or you know, different, you know, online uh, resources or whatever. And now that like the floodgates have been opened again for the, you know, this kind of, of education, people want to just like rush out and they want to like learn as much as they can buy as much jewelry as they can and then get back to work and, and grow their shops as much as they can and it's really commendable to see like how rapidly um, this industry and this this community specifically is growing because of it now well i had a, a conversation with a, another piercer who i think it was their first conference as well and we were talking a little bit um at the bar night uh, about how um being here in person, being at the conference in person, it is different um, from sharing information online and in forums and that kind of thing. Even if you're in a forum space that you're very comfortable in, because there are a lot of um, forum spaces that aren't super positive um, or super beneficial to your learning or your mental well-being overall, um, even if you're in a space that you're very comfortable in, there is definitely something lost there because everything on the internet is filtered. Um, like it's a, it's all the information people are sharing, all of the communications, they're all edited, they're all filtered. Even the ones that appear to be, you know, really raw and really transparent. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of amazing information. I'm not saying that it's disingenuous. I'm just saying there's a filtering to it. Whereas when you go to a live event and you actually get to talk to someone, there's that humanity that you're missing and there's that rawness and there's that unfilteredness which is just really, really great to see because I think that we do miss that connection a lot with each other. And as I say, it's not like to say that people are lying on the internet, but they're putting, they're presenting a version of events or a version of a situation 
um, that's you know through their editing. Um, whereas when you're just talking to someone in real life, you can just be so much more open because there's no way for it to be taken out of context or reproduced or, or you know, you can you can clarify what it is you mean and just talk to somebody. And that's something that you can't really replicate online. I, I don't think even in the safest of internet spaces, there's so much room for misinterpretation. Whereas when you're talking to someone and, you know, you're looking at each other and, and you're just chatting, um, that's something we don't get to do very often, so um, I think that that's something that will hopefully be really positive to younger piercers that are maybe, or even experienced piercers that just have felt really isolated or really cut off, to know that there's still a lot of warmth out there um, in the community, which is it's good to get back to sharing that. Well, it's connection, yeah. you know, like you don't, like you can connect with people on Facebook, but it's in this very like cold and distant way of just like, you get a friend request and it's like, I've never talked to you. I have no idea who you are, but we're air quote friends now. Yeah. Um, but here it's just like, how many people did we meet over these last two weekends where it's just like, hey, where are you from? Well, you know, what's your name? Where do you work? Like, and you just like yeah. talk to them, you know, and it's it's just nice to, to have a conversation with someone rather than just like, you know, read a thread or, or something. And get a sense of who someone is. Yeah. that goes more than a sentence or a phrase that maybe comes across and is interpreted incorrectly. Because we've all read things, I've read things on the internet where I'm like, is that person being rude? Or is this just how they talk? Or am I just reading this wrong? Or what is it that's happening here? And it's just nice to be in a situation where there's a lot less of that. And you can just have more of like a, a genuine, I don't know, transference of energy. And that probably sounds kind of silly. But um, there's just a, there's something nice to it that we don't get to share very often. So I, I enjoyed that. And the UK is not always the easiest place to make friends. Um, and I, I, I love the UKPP conference, but it's not the most social conference. Um, I think just by virtue of the, the type of venue that it is, um, it's not brilliant for socializing kind of outside of conference hours and that sort of thing. Um, mainly because the the bar's like fifteen pound for a glass of wine. Yeah. So you know, just little things like that. Um, it's still great to to steal those moments with people. Well, you know, they they did. Uh, you know, the board, the organizers did put in some effort to have nice social events tied into it. But yeah, like I don't I don't see the UK APP as like the same kind of social animal that BMXnet is because yeah, it's, it's not the same kind of communal atmosphere. Um, that that BMX is and you know it's a little bit more spread out some people are staying in the host hotel we're not even staying there we're staying in a, a hotel a, a block or two away um, so everybody's close but there is still a little bit more distance just because of like you know the engineering of the space yeah but I think that that just means that it's different I don't I don't think you know I'm not ranking them in a different way I just think that they have different elements yeah yeah, well, you know, they've, they've all got their own personality. Yeah. Um, you know, GEP in Brazil had its own personality. Vegas certainly had, for better or worse, has its own personality. BMXNet, UKAPP, LBP, the, the, the Poland conference, I'm sure, will have its own uh, vibe and personality, too. Um, and, and I like all of them. I like all of them as their own their own thing. You know, it's like when you have kids or friends or pets or co-workers or whatever like everybody's got their own personality you like um, different aspects of their personality in unique ways and it's the same thing with these conferences so did you take many classes at UKAPP this year 
I did a couple. Um, I was instructing a couple, and um, you did so good. Thank you. Um, I, I had some shopping to do. I wanted to pick up some goodies from the vendor space, which I did. Yeah, you I, were like a little Tasmanian devil whirlwind that I first day. I plowed into that vendor space at 10 in the morning during members hour, which is, as far as I'm, I mean, there's a lot of nice things about being in the UKPP. The vendor hour makes it, you know, that pays for the annual subscription, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I take that very seriously, vendor hour. Well, I mean, it's good because uh, as someone who was also on a board, uh, being at a conference as a board member is not at all the same experience as being there as, as an attendee. Um, there are a lot of perks to, to being there as a, a board member, you know, like you really get to have a, a strong voice for how the, the event is, is framed and shaped and, and presented. but. Um, the the perks of an attendee, especially a member attendee, uh, is that like you really have awesome access to some really killer jewelry, and especially if you can get in there early, like at the the APP conference in Vegas, they also have a, a member only uh, hour or two, and you can get in there, you get like first shot at like the the best of the best uh, from what the vendors have, and you can snatch up some stuff that you might not be able to get uh, just through like a, the, the standard ordering system, or if you do, you might have to wait weeks or months for it. So it's an amazing opportunity to be able to like walk up to an incredible vendor and just like look at a table full of amazing options and just be like, yeah, I'll have that and that and that and that and that and all of that. And then you can just pick it up and walk away with it. It's amazing. Um, I did Noelle's class. Yep. Um, I'm not brilliant at remembering the class names, but it was about... Um, history of piercing. But it was about the ritual history of piercing, yeah, or the history like of ritualistic before piercing. Before the 20th century or something? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was really, really good. Um, Noelle's a really good speaker. Yeah. And I think that um, they have that manner of speaking where... Um, and Noelle says this when introducing the class as well is that you know English isn't their first language so bear with them but after five minutes they're chatting away and have a great flow and um, they're very very charming and very charismatic um, and can talk really easily about a lot of this stuff and the the information that they drop into the class you can tell that it's been really really well researched and this is something that Noelle's really interested in and I think that that comes across when they're speaking which I think is is really invaluable as a speaker because you can't really learn that you either love doing something or you don't so I think it comes across when someone really loves to do something um, so I enjoyed that one very much um, and I went to uh, one of Paul King's talks um, I think it was the pierced men of porn uh, pierced pierced I think it was pierced men of porn or something like that. It was the, the accompanying class to the pierced females of porn that he did last year, I think he said. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that was quite interesting. That was oh, good. I mean, we need to talk about the incredible Till. We do. Um, I think that, I you know, I love all of Paul's classes. Yeah, so, I do too. You know, but I think that I probably preferred the Till one. Um, maybe it was just because it was closer to home and there's something kind of like whimsical about this notion of, of this guy that just lives on a small, um, you know, like in a row of houses in just a very average, 
you know, place in the UK and turning he's his turning his dick inside out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was really, really interesting to hear about and to learn about. It was incredible. And just like the access to, uh, you know, archival information that Paul had from it, you know, partly in thanks to sacred debris and, you know, people who were close to Till and everything. And it was really just mind blowing. And think of how easily um, that person's life work could have just been lost um, if you didn't have somebody archiving it and, and going out of their way to, um, you know, to, to capture it for, for future generations. So uh, I really appreciate Paul's work. And I, I, I think Noel will, will end up being kind of like a, a future you know, comparable historian in a way. Like, I'm really interested to see where their classes and and their um, their their work takes them over the next five or ten or however many years. And uh, I'm really interested. I really enjoy those classes. I, I you know don't get me wrong. I enjoy technique classes and safety classes and and all that stuff. But I really love the um, you know historian side of, of the industry because it's all things that weren't part of my personal experience when it comes to techniques I've, I've certainly got my opinions you have your opinions and uh it, it's just nice to be able to see i don't know how to describe it what's the word i'm looking for not like historian not archivist there's a word i'm trying to search for in my head anthropology anthropology yeah like the anthropological side of the industry always fascinates me yeah well they were really enjoyable classes yeah yeah. Uh, I admittedly did not get many opportunities to take classes. I got to take... Well, that's because you were teaching all the classes in the world? Well, okay. I taught seven classes in nine days, which, you know, when I say it out loud, is a good amount because some people teach, like, one class a year. Um, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, you taught... We, we taught open techniques together in Germany, but we also taught open techniques together here at UKAPP. Yeah. Um, and they were very different. Very different. That's what's so great about open techniques, though, um, is that it the class can take any form depending on what participation is given and what requests are given. So it's never going to be the exact same class each time. Um, and one of the things we were worried about was that this year, um, well, in at BMXNet, open techniques was on the last day, I think, and a UKPP. It was on the first day in the afternoon, so it was kind of the second wave of classes. And one of the things that I was a little worried about was that Open Techniques is very much based on audience participation in terms of requesting that we do certain things and showing different things. And we need people to come up and volunteer and, and let us mark them and do tissue bracing and that kind of thing to really get the most out of things. And on with there being so many new attendees on the first afternoon of the first day, sometimes it can be a little hard to pull people out of themselves, but I don't know what I was worried about because people just really seemed to want to get stuck in and involved. Yeah, and, we and, just jumped right in. And make the most of it, and they really seemed to get that like we're here to, to do what you want to do, and we're here to facilitate that. So this is your chance if there's something that you want to see, you know, so don't, don't be shy sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm too intimidated to put my hand up or ask a question. There was really none of that. And we, we, we showed things for the entire hour and a half. There was never any dead time where we were kind of like, so, you know, what else would you like to see? It, it was really, really full. Um, 
so was the BMX net class, but they were both very, very different. There wasn't a lot of overlapping content. There were a couple of things because there are always certain things people want to see, but I felt like it was very different. Yeah, and um, I, I was a little bit shocked about the, the demand as far as capacity goes. You know, we had to turn away a lot of people at the door, unfortunately. You know, you size of rooms, you know, et cetera, et cetera, is what it is, but um, sometimes you get worried of like, you know, is anybody going to care about this class? Because it's just, it's such a vague description. And to see the, the kind of demand for it, like people um, really looking forward to just kind of asking questions question and, and seeing a hands-on demonstration of it. Like, I, I really enjoy the whole open techniques concept. Yeah, so that was really fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I did my nipple class, which I also did at BMX and got a lot of nice feedback from that, especially when it comes to... Um, you know, HRT issues, post-surgical issues, inverted nipples especially, uh, that always creates like a really nice conversation. And I got to debut a new naval class that I wrote um, rather recently. And uh, th that was really fun to, to teach too. You know, I got to teach that earlier today and I, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I normally write my classes in, in Google Drive in, in slides. Uh, so this one, you know, I wrote it in, in PowerPoint and I, I had a fun time with it. I don't know. I feel like we're fizzling a little bit. Um, you know, we're, we're lying here. We, we packed already, you know, you have to take a train tomorrow morning. I have to yeah. take a plane tomorrow morning. Boo. Boo hiss. We have to go back to the real world. But, you know, I'm glad that you're coming to see me in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, well, you have anything else you want to say about conferences I feel really appreciative that people wanted to watch what I had to say about you know like open the open techniques class and the bridge piercing class that I made and you did such a good job with that um, and I'm appreciative to you because I, I joke a lot about about like being Ryan's magician's assistant and um, you know he he never ever implies that or makes me feel that way or suggests that in any way that's just my own little self-deprecating habit that I have so I do feel very fortunate to be able to instruct and co-instruct um, and have my opinions and things that I've kind of thought about and, and developed be listened to is, is really really cool um, so yeah I'm just trying to concentrate on feeling grateful um, which I do feel yeah I, you know I, I feel grateful too that like you know, I get an opportunity to, to meet people and, and travel and, and contribute. And it almost makes me, well, I mean, it, it's not like it almost makes me, it does make me sad. Like, I'm really going to crash when I get home. I'm going to have that, like, post-conference blues for quite a while, you know. And then I'm going to come get you. You better. I mean, it's just going to, it's going to be amplified because normally it's like you go away to one of these things for, like, a long weekend and then, you know, maybe you have an extra day or two at the beginning or end, and then you go home. And you can get that post-conference crash kind of a thing. Uh, and this is going to be like double post-conference, two-week-long teaching trip, entire time spent with my partner. And now I go home, and I'm just going to go home to an empty house, you know. And it's going to feel very like, it's going to feel very much of a crash from this constant stimulation, this constant like, you know, ego stroke kind of a thing uh, back to like, you know, reality and, and, and back to work and stuff. So I'm not really looking forward to that. I'm not looking forward to, 
getting back on East Coast U.S. time and being jet-lagged for a week. But, um, you know, I guess it's time to go home. Yeah. Boo hiss. So I guess that's it. You know, I've got some other episodes that I recorded uh, previous to this trip. You know, I've had to take a couple of weeks off because I just had to take a couple of weeks off. Um, But I'm going to start catching up on it slowly but surely. Probably more slowly than surely. Um, But there will be new episodes coming, um, most likely not weekly. Uh, But uh, I'll I'll do my best. But, um, you know, thanks for listening. Thank you to everyone who attended um, my classes in in Germany at BMX. Thanks to everyone who attended my classes uh, in Manchester for UKAPP. And I hope to see you all again next year. Is there anything you'd like to say? Um... Just that if you're in America, go to Europe. If you're in Europe, go to the UK. If you're in the UK, go to Europe, go to America, and vice versa, because there's just so much out there. There's just so much out there. Yeah. You just have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, not to backtrack or anything, but I, I, I do notice, like, more and more international attendees at these conferences every year. You know, more Americans at BMX. John Bulk was there. Go to South there. America. I don't even know why I didn't suggest that. Yeah, you know, go to um, South America. GEP is really cool. You know, a lot of these conferences go out of their way to have multilingual content or to have translation wherever possible. It looked amazing. Yeah, it was really amazing. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, but, you know, get out there, uh, especially if you're a, a newer piercer, younger piercer, and you're looking for different perspectives, like... It's out there in the world. It's just waiting for you to show up and, and listen to it. So uh, get out there. I can do the outro music. Do, 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 do. Is that not it? Is that not how it goes? Do, 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 do. You'll put it over. Sounds you're, like that. You're doing so good. <laughs> uh, oh, also, um, watch the Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix. Or don't. Or don't, yeah. I mean, if you want to get, like, real sad and, like, if you want to get, like, a really awkward boner, I guess you could watch it. But, yeah. All right. Bye. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.